0: I've always sort of run by the motto that your opinion of me is none of my business and I just have to stick to that. It's like everyone's got an opinion on everybody but usually the opinion's got nothing to do with me, it's about themselves.
1: You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers, and leaders. We're proud to present Courageous Conversations, a podcast series focusing on the tough decisions people have made to put themselves on a pathway to success. This episode is brought to you by Connect Now, who makes the business of moving easier for both you and your clients. For more information, visit connectnow.com.au. Please welcome your host, Leanne Pilkington.
2: Hey everyone, Leanne Pilkington with you for the latest edition of Courageous Conversations. And with me, we are very privileged to have my good friend, Christine Ewan. How are you, Christine? Hi, Leanne. I'm very well. Excited. <laughs> so tell everybody where you're based and a little bit about your business. Yeah, sure. So
0: my agent team is based, we're the eastern suburbs of Canberra, I like to consider it. It's two hours down the mountain. That's where the beach is. We're about three and a half hours south of. Sydney, population of about 20,000 people, 17 yeah. agencies in a little place called Batemans Bay.
2: Wow. Okay. And how long have you had your own business? Four years. How many people? How many in your team? 15. 15 women. Wow. Well done. All chicks. All chicks. Wow. Yeah,
0: people often ask me,
2: like, do you not employ men? I just haven't I found one I wanted to employ yet. Fair enough. I mean, I can't really comment. I've only got one bloke in my team. And it's not, it's absolutely not on purpose. They're just right people for the job as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, sure. You've had a really interesting journey in your real estate career, haven't you? I have. I don't think it's the typical
0: story. I think it's, look, it's a roller coaster ride and I think real estate's a roller coaster ride in general. But I think I've been to the dizzy heights and the face down in the arena kind of bleeding out and then being able to get myself back up and now to have the number one agency in the bay and obviously the 2022 REI small residential agency in Australia winner so I've just been very very blessed but a long time coming and a long career in real
2: estate and I've kissed a lot of frogs. I mean people like you and I often say oh yeah you know I've been blessed or I'm grateful or I've been lucky but it's really there's a lot of hard work involved and a lot of, as you've already said, a lot of ups and downs. So how long ago did you start your real estate career? 22 years ago. So I was 30, I'm
0: 52. So I started at 30 years of age. I had two children, nine and 10-year-old sons, and working for minimal income, selling um, advertising in the local newspaper. And I went to a real estate agency and wanted them to advertise in my local paper. And they said no, that they wouldn't. Advertise with me but they offered me a job in real estate. I've never been to an open home. I was renting. I had a zero experience. Couldn't even tell you what the sale price of a house was. So I've never yeah. had any interest. So it kind of tweaked my interest to the point that he was discussing breakdowns, commissions, back to house, all this sort of stuff. So I went to my largest client which was LJ Hooker at the time and asked them to explain it to me and he said, if you're gonna work in real estate, you'll work for me.
2: And obviously you had plenty of skills that people could identify as being great for real estate. Yeah, just people skills, really. I mean, I think I've always been very humble.
0: I mean, even people that say that they're humble I always sort of go, Really, are you? Are you really (laughs) considering (laughs) you're a doctor Gabbana but you're being humble. I think it's very blue-collar upbringing out west in the country, born in Leeton, baby of seven children. So
2: just very simple, honest human, you know, just don't call a spade a spade, I guess. And so your first experience in real estate, how did that go? They had a future champions program with the old hooker thing. So I actually went to Sydney
0: and was stripped down and rebuilt in five days as a real estate agent. had to borrow money from my mother-in-law to be able to do the course because it was like $2,500 and I had $900 to my name. Then you sort of had a coach. They gave me a blueprint and I just didn't question it. I just did what they said, farm area, door knocking, hot spotting, true net worth letters. I just did what they said and next minute um, I got nominated for International Best New talents for the hookers brand, flew to Perth, won a trip to San Francisco, And I sold a lot of property, and actually, I think that I became like the top five percent in the L.J. Hooker network in the first twelve months.
2: So I just hit the ground running, and because you don't know what you don't know, yeah, exactly. And I was listening to—I can't remember who it was that said at a conference I was at not long ago—all real estate agents want to be artists; they want to put their own flair and do their own thing, and. How often do you hear a pilot wanting to be an artist? You know, a pilot follows the checklist, does exactly what you've done with that Future Champions program, follow the blueprint and look what happens. Yeah,
0: I was very compliant, never tried to reinvent the wheel because I had no experience. And because you don't know what you don't know, you continue to do. So it was all a bit of shock and that trajectory really threw me into all of a sudden people wanted to know what my secret was. And then it, you know, bought into the whole imposter syndrome because I was like, why
2: the hell would you want to know anything from me? I know absolutely nothing. (laughs) Yeah. So you were feeling like you were an imposter, even though you'd got the results on the board? Yeah. I just sort of felt like it was all a bit of a flash in the pan and that someone could
0: come and take it away from me. I remember when I bought my first European car, I remember feeling like someone was going to come and knock on the window and tell me to get
2: out. (laughs) like you're not supposed to be driving a BMW, love, you know, get out. Oh, that's hilarious. And so what was next for you? So next was I went into a sort of a managerial
0: role and my boss went and opened a satellite office, which he was to then go on and sell. He came over and said, move over princess, the king is back. So the princess moved to Rain and Horn. So my first like year that I had you know, whatever their twelve month period is for the awards. I took out top agent in New South Wales for Rain and Horn. And then wow. I took out their top Australian agent. I was in their top ten for eight years with Rain and Horn. So, you know, apparently I was a pretty good agent.
2: Yeah. Apparently. So the numbers say. <laughs> so the numbers say, and
0: screwed away a lot of money, had a lot of stuff going on in my background you know, having kids and my boys were now left and then I had some aging parents and my dad was too, you know. Then all the complications set in, I guess, where you can have money and you can have a career and you can have everything but you have nothing all at the same time because your personal life falls apart and that's where it all gets a little shady. So how do you move
2: through something like that? Oh, look, I did it very poorly
0: I decided that it was much easier to be Christine Ewan, the real estate agent, because I could control that. And I knew the blueprint. And I knew how to be me. But being Leo and Yvonne Dean's daughter and having them both pass away on me in a period of two years from cancer and dementia and to be their primary carer, I threw myself into real estate and thought that that was the answer. So, while ever I stayed as Christine Ewan, then I was still going to be in control, but... You gotta grieve and at some stage you've got to stop and I just disconnected and I become a machine, like a machine. I think the price of property down here was around about four hundred and eighty thousand was the average sale price. I did a GCI of one point one million with a shared PA, no buyer's agent. So I was selling a lot of property and I was working long hours. And I was just sad, I was miserable. My marriage was in the toilet and what ends up happening is is that I end up going on a holiday, like every agent talks themselves around and always says it's okay. You know, we always say, yep, I'll go and relax, but then it becomes like another tick part of your checklist. Right, go to Hamilton Island, lay on a thing, relax, and you don't. And what happened was is that was what I had planned. All right, I'll sort my stuff out, I'll take a break, I'll go to Vietnam and ended up coming home. And equipment my job. <laughs> And I went to Townsville in a camper trailer with my dog and my husband and put my life back together and drank a lot of alcohol and walked a lot of beaches and I cried a lot and fell into sort of a job where I was doing coaching. Everybody wanted me to be their coach then and I fell into a position as a general manager with nine officers to really try and change their business and I kind of investigated that for about 12 weeks Unpacked the business and I just packed it back up because it just wasn't me and it wasn't my vibe. It was going to take me so long to steer it around. I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it for myself. And that yeah. was when my agent team was opened.
2: Amazing. And so that's
0: about four years ago. Yeah. So I registered the company, my agent team, but I opened my marketing with my agent, Christine Ewan, because that's how people introduced me. They used to say, this is my agent, Christine Ewan. So. I didn't even think about the name of the brand. It was just easy. It was like,
2: yeah, yeah, it was logical. And, I mean, that's where everybody wants to get as a real estate agent, right? They want to be considered the agent just like everyone's got a solicitor and an accountant. They want to be the agent. So, yeah, well done. So open opened the agency
0: and, I don't know, I just hit the ground running. I mean, but... That wasn't the perfect start either because I think my company was only open for about six months and then
2: we made national headlines where we had the black summer fires and the whole coast. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that because you did some incredible stuff during that time for your local community. Talk us through what happened. It was New Year's Eve and basically
0: we all woke up, everyone was evacuated and whole suburbs were just burnt to the ground and people were assembling on the beaches and everybody saw that on the news. Um people, pets, birds in cages, it was just chaos. It was and I went into the office because we were gridlocked and you couldn't get in. And they appealed for all our holiday makers because we explode at Christmas time. It's four yeah. times the population. So an appeal went out. If you didn't live in this postcode, you had to go. So it became gridlocked. It was 10 hours to get to Canberra, which is a two-hour. They crawled up the Clyde. Problem was is that we had no power. Our power and services were down. That meant you can't get petrol. It's all the things you can't go to an ATM. So we were in absolute crisis mode and we had no power. Our homes had no power. All our shops were closed. My office had power and I went in and I just set up a swag and I slept in the office and I kept my doors open. And anybody that had lost their property or whatever, I opened my, let them come in, use my phones and computer systems to contact their insurance companies. Then the evacuation centre started to send them to me. I then jumped on Canberra notice board and put a call out on Canberra notice board, if you've got a holiday home at the coast, will you allow me to house evacuees? and I rang people and anybody who had private holiday homes and I put a call out to the community. And then what I did was I did break free leases and then I went to Priceline, Coles. I got toothbrushes, toothpaste. I made up like everything from toilet packs to tampons and I got gift cards so that they could at least go and get some bread and milk. And I basically handed them bags, keys to a house and sent them on the way so. And who paid for all of that? I did you know I just ran things for the RFS and I had eskies and people started to donate everything and then I put a call out for the people that had empty houses like permanent rentals that we thought permanent rentals we can probably furnish them so I put a call out onto Facebook and basically people with trailers started coming with their spare lounges and fridges and TVs oh, yeah. and then heaps of sponsorship came over the mountain for us and trucks started delivering essentials and so people were just helping in the community and we were just out moving beds in eight o'clock at night I'm counting knives and forks so that I could do full inventories on these properties and I house I think 34 families in 21 days. Wow that's amazing. And then The actual local member got involved and said, hey, can you basically do what Chris is doing? And so then all the other agencies then got involved and started to open up their holiday management as a permanent rental situation for people with non-break leases, you know?
2: Yeah, quite a stressful time and hopefully the predictions for this summer don't come true because it's not looking great this year either, right?
0: No, it's not. There's a lot of trees around still, like, that's the beauty of living on the coast. But yeah, it's terrifying, you know, friends and family lost houses and there was just so much damage down here. So that when we got to our feet, then we went into COVID. <laughs> that was just like
2: Yeah, right. Okay, yeah, I'd forgotten it was actually that year, wasn't it? Yeah. That we were- so we just so- got over that and then COVID hit. Luckily I had a really big office
0: and only four staff at that stage or five staff. So we could sort of all sit away from each other within our so I didn't close my doors until the mandatory lockdowns came into play. And even yep. then, agents just closed their doors, sent their staff home. And again, I think it was a ghost town, but we still operated because we could. And then the for sale signs all had auctions postponed. Well, in 48 hours, once they did the mandatory lockdown, I was in the middle of four auctions. We actually went onto to auctions live, trained within 48 hours organized our Canberra auctioneer to jump on and do it virtually. And we just kept selling properties, but we just did it via virtual. And then they read an article on the ABC about me as being this innovator. And I was like, not really. (laughs) I'm just doing what I've got to do to keep going. I'm just not lazy. I just don't go, oh, well, everyone go home and we can't sell real estate now. People still needed to move on. And even more because then everybody was like, what am I doing here? My family's in Queensland and this lockdown's made me realise how important it is to have my family close to me. And so then there was this mass migration. Yeah. And I think that that's where being a neighbour to somebody in the community and not just being the hyenas around it and just zapping in and selling a property and listing a property and zapping back out. Instead I was there for the long haul, you know. Yeah, you're a real part of the community. And it's not disingenuous either. It's just I think that's the, you rally, that's the support that you give. You know, we've raised, I've done big Halloween functions, you know, raised 20 grand for cancer research. I do a big community event every year for, on International Women's Day where last year, the year before, I had Tarrant Brumford, I know, I thought that that year, Sam Bloom. I've actually, you'll be the first No, next year, I've got Jana Pittman. So oh, I- yeah, it's fantastic. I've seen her. She was at White. Y- oh, awesome. Can't wait. Yeah. So I've organised her to come to the Bay. So I do that. I started off as uh, eighty women at a luncheon. Now it's a three hundred and fifty people dinner sit down, and
2: my agent runs that every year. Yeah, that's amazing. So, like I say, you are a genuine, genuine part of the community. Yeah. I like it. It hasn't all been smooth sailing, though. It sounds like, you know, the business got off to an interesting start with the bushfires and COVID, but, you know, you started with four or five people, you've tripled the size of the business, still going strength to strength, number one in Batemans Bay, but you're not the most popular agent in town with some of the other agents. Very hated, yeah, very hated. How do you cope with that mentally? Because you're not the only one. You know, I've, I've had this conversation with a few other agents it's really hurtful and it's hard to know how to handle it.
0: Yeah, look, I think that I've always sort of run by the motto that your opinion of me is none of my business. And I just have to stick to that. It's like everyone's got an opinion on everybody, but usually the opinion's got nothing to do with me. It's about themselves. You probably just don't like what I represent or you don't like, you know, maybe you've had issues in your own business so you want to come after me. Look, I think if I had a stayed small in, I, if I had been a boutique agency that stayed small and didn't grow and didn't triple, and of course, once you build the field, the players come, all of a sudden I've got LJ Hooker's top agent in my office, then I've got Raymond Horn's top agent in my office, then I've got four of the top, eight, in the top five work out of my agency. That's because of the culture. That's not because I went and poached them. That's because... I just do things a little differently.
2: Yeah, well, you've become a, I mean, it's a pretty overused term, but you've become a business of attraction. And I think instead of business owners being negative about that, I think people just have to go, "Wow, well, all right, why? What is it that is appealing to people that I'm not offering? Yeah. And you have to look at yourself, right? Yeah. And they
0: just started to like hand grenade, boom, like, you know, just be better, get better. I'm not here to make you look bad. I'm just sticking to my own lane. I'm running my own race. I just do things the way I do things because I don't really deviate much from what my gut tells me. I'm not the greatest business person in the world. I outsource everything that I'm not good at. Like I don't say that I'm good at everything. I know what my I'm good at. If I had stayed small, it's just tall poppy. That's all you know. Oh, now I've just exposed myself. My marketing my brand is out there. So if you're going to choose to hate me, then go for it because it doesn't really affect me. It really affects them. So what's next? Well, this year I stepped out of sales, which was probably one of the biggest challenges for me. 22 years of selling real estate, all of a sudden I stepped out of sales. So what I do is I co-agent because I miss it. So my clients ring me and then basically I go, "Mm, which agent would suit you? And then I come out and. We put the property on the market. So I'm starting auctioneering. I'm going up and doing some training in Sydney in a couple of weeks. I've got my first auction. I've always done charity auctions, but I'm actually going to go into that. I'm doing the CEO role and I'm doing the support role. And I finally feel like it's been seven months of pretty much trying to catch up on all the stuff when I was just too busy. Like just staffing is probably the hardest part. And I think any business owner will tell you that. Everybody yeah. told me that and I was like, what? Yeah. I got this. No, I don't. It's still really hard. It's finding yeah. the right people for the right job. And sometimes they're on your bus and they're not in the right seat. Totally, yeah. And it's about inspiring, supporting. So I do a lot of events, planning for my girls. I have, a, you know, lots of margaritas involved, lots of goal setting, lots of mini goals. Like, yeah. If you sell 12, we go to the pub for a snitty. But if you' yeah. you know this many, then it's margaritas at a different place. <laughs> so it's just fun. So for me, my exit strategy probably is that I probably will open another agency. I think there's a little country town further down the coast that I think could do. I'm just waiting for the right office space. and then probably teaching my girls to come in underneath me so that eventually when I do step out that I've got. To some wonderful girls in my team that are going to live on. Take, and take the name.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been amazing to watch what you've achieved so far. So thank you so much for your time today. It's been great to catch up. My
0: pleasure anytime, and Thanks for your support.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Courageous Conversations with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agency's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.